Welcome to the Mavericks and Misfits podcast, where anyone and everyone who cannot bear the thought of remaining trapped in a status quo version of Christianity can find a home. Religious traditions eventually suffocate us. Empty church trends almost always leave us in the shallow end of the pool. But kingdom truth straight from God's word spiritually transforms us. And if you desire this, then you too are likely a maverick and a misfit. And now, here is our host, a Christian whose entire ministry has challenged the religious system, Jeff Lyle. Welcome back, fellow mavericks, fellow misfits. This is Jeff. Grateful that you've tuned in today. Uh, For those of you that have just tuned in for the very first time, uh, we give a special welcome to you, Mavericks and Misfits. It's a very um, simple, uh, relatively new podcast. Been doing this a little over a year. And our whole premise is that um, we're trying to connect with those of us that are, I don't know, disenfranchised a little bit by the modern day expression of Christianity in the 21st century Western church. Uh, That's a fancy way of saying we don't do status quo Christianity. We are kingdom people, not religious people. And because of that, um, you know, it it makes us misfits in the system, the Christianized system in the United States of America. Now, before you think I'm down on the church, I'm absolutely not. I've spent my life investing in the church. I'm doing it right now. I'm a local church guy. I am a pastor. Um, I am a teacher. And um, I have really given the best of my years, uh, really the last 20, good night, I'm getting old, 27, almost 28 years, given myself to um, pouring into the local church. And that's why I feel like um, I'm fairly qualified to speak to it, both in the sense of hope for the future, for the expression of Christianity in a local church in America, but also with um, a pointed critique saying enough is enough. We can't be perpetuating for another generation a false paradigm of what it means to be a Jesus follower. And so Mavericks and Misfits um, really is a combination of just kind of saying, hey, guys, if we're actually going to be followers of Jesus, we have to at times fight a system that doesn't facilitate, doesn't manifest um, a legitimate representation of Jesus to a fallen world. And at the same time, we need to band together and love one another through our struggles, through our weaknesses, through our failures, even through our need to get delivered further from the religious systems that um, defined our Christianity for us, leaving us hungry. And so uh, this is not a church bashing podcast. If that's what you're looking for, go ahead and find a different one. That's not what we do. Um, I'm going after the individual, but as I go after individuals, I'm trying to reshape the thinking of whoever's listening. My prayer is, is that if we can really make a dent in this thing, you know, if I can pass it on to some of you that are younger and you can take up that torch and, and, and let it shine, then there's hope. We need revival, man. We, need, we don't just need good services. I'm not talking about that kind of revival. I'm talking about we need like Holy Spirit, earth shaking um, altar toppling, false altar toppling, you know, stronghold demolishing revival and revival is not going to come until reformation comes. And so that's kind of what I do. I had somebody last night, I was up in Dawsonville, Georgia. I go up there almost every Sunday night uh, for the North Georgia revival at Christ fellowship church, because there are incredible miracles being sustained over there over a four-year time period, and um, powerful works of God, including deliverances from addictions and compulsive behavior, um, uh, demolishing of demonic strongholds, not to mention the 
literally, I don't know how many, there are hundreds upon hundreds of documented miracles, physical miracles that have taken place. So Amy and I go up there regularly and I was there last night and um, a, a prophet, a prophetic guy up there just stopped me and, you know, we were talking and he was asking about church at Winder where I serve as pastor and it was our one year anniversary um, last night. This will be a couple of weeks out from the podcast launch, but um, the guy told me, he goes, Jeff, you need to always remember revivalists are everywhere, but you're a reformer and reformers are a dying breed. And that really, really struck me. He just kind of walked off. He didn't realize what he dropped to me. And I realized that like, man, I probably am not going to be the revivalist that draws massive crowds and, you know, does all the good things that revivalists do. Um, But I I think we need reformers. I think we need people that will love the church and be willing to say, Hey, because I love the church, we have to, we have to fix some things. We have to address some things. We're not going to bury our head in the stand, uh, the sand, and we're, we're not going to, we're going to, not going to perpetuate living in a way that is not consistent with the Jesus of the Bible. You know, one of the things that I've been recognizing, um, in the, and probably really the past 15 years, I know that sounds like a long time, but it goes by really quickly, but. Um, I feel like God just gave me a breakthrough about five years ago in this area. I want to talk to you today. And, um, you know, the title of the podcast is shooting yourself in the soul. Have you ever heard that expression? Ah, that guy shot himself in the foot. It just means a self-inflicted wound, something you do to yourself that didn't have to be done that ended up hurting or damaging you. It's called shooting yourself in the foot. It's usually done through thoughtlessness or stupidity or flippancy or arrogance. Hey man, he shouldn't have said that. He just shot himself in the foot. Well, I want to talk to you about shooting yourself in the soul, and uh, this is no laughing matter at all, and I, I, I really feel like there are many ways that we actually war against our own soul, our own testimony, our own walk with Jesus. There are many ways that that can happen, but in my experience, um, through shepherding many, many thousands of people over, um, going back to 1996 when I entered vocational ministry, and then most of that as a lead pastor up to this very point. Uh, the number one way that I see that Christians wound their own soul is something that you probably don't think of very often. And if you don't think of it often, you might be actually doing it. You actually might be shooting yourself in the own soul, your own soul. What am I talking about? I'm talking about thoughtless speech. I'm talking now. Don't, don't, don't press pause. This is important. I, I'm talking about the words that come out of our mouths. I'm talking about a careless, thoughtless, reckless approach to what we speak out because Jesus decreed a kingdom truth that is fixed for all eternity. He said it is out of your heart, out of the abundance of your heart, out of that thing that most fills your heart that the mouth speaks. So in other words, What comes out of our mouths most often and most easily is a revelation of what is primarily going on in our hearts. And there is a sense in which when we are in process of taming what's going on in our hearts, when God is sanctifying us, when God is breaking us, when God is maturing us and growing us, and we're still in process and he's working on the inconsistent parts of our heart, there is a need that while he's working on your heart, that he, there's a need to recognize that he calls you to keep your mouth shut. 
Oh yeah, I love this podcast because I can be as blunt as I want to be. <laughs> um, listen, we shoot ourselves in the soul when we don't know how to shut up. You may not like the way that sounds. I'm just going to be as plain spoken as I can be today because it is in this uh, diplomacy, this pseudo artificial harmony that, you know, people are trying to perpetuate. You know, everybody's got to be nice and everybody's got to be sweet. and We can't dare risk offending each other. I'm over that. That's part of being a maverick. If you're listening to this podcast regularly, you're probably over it too. So you don't mind the way I'm talking. But listen, Christians, we need to learn to shut our mouths. We need to learn to be quiet. What am I talking about? I'm talking about things that come out of our mouth that are completely inconsistent with what it means to be a child of God. Let me name some of them. I don't have these written down. I'm just flowing this morning. Um, people that complain all the time, um, you're shooting yourself in your own soul. People that murmur and grumble and complain You've got soul wounds that are self-inflicted. You're actually, every time you're murmuring, complaining, and grumbling, you're actually sinning against God and you are wounding your own soul. Um, there might be some of you that need some breakthrough and some victory in this area, the area of gossip. Um, gossip and its ugly twin sister um, slander. Um, these are painfully dangerous sins that we wound our own soul. We, we use our mouths to tear down others. And as we're tearing down others, the flesh and the demonic realm are actually slashing at our soul. We're actually self-inflicting ourselves. Uh, that was redundant, but with wounds, we're hurting ourselves as we hurt others. People that speak faithlessness, doom, gloom, hopelessness. When it comes out of your mouth, it's a revelation of what's in your heart. Same way with gossip. When gossip comes out of your mouth, it's a revelation of what's going on in your heart. The more you talk about people, the more likely it is you're going to sin with your mouth. And when we talk about stuff like lying, and I'll go ahead and throw this one in there because I don't know where it became, you know, kind of chic and kind of cool for Christians to curse. I mean, people have actually forgotten that the Bible actually forbids profanity for the children of God. I mean, like literally, and the Bible doesn't define what profane words are. It does speak about blaspheming and taking the name of the Lord of God in vain. So we, we all know that, you know, people saying GD and saying Jesus, like in a, a cursing way, we know that's wrong. But profanity is uh, words defined by culture that are unacceptable, irreverent, or, um, you know, Im immoral. And, and Christians have just, I mean, they sing, they sing all the, you know, elevation songs at church on Sunday, all the Bethel songs, and then they F-bomb when they get out of church. So I, I want to tell you, when, we, when we're not using our mouths in a way that Jesus can say amen to, I like to do it that way. Can Jesus say amen to what just came out of my mouth? If Jesus is standing in the room and I'm talking when I when I'm done, when I hit that last word of that last sentence, can Jesus look me in the eye and say, amen, Jeff, so be it. That was good. And when I started thinking like that years ago, I started groaning in recognition of how difficult it is to tame the tongue. Can I give you some Bible on this so you just don't think I'm some, you know, middle-aged 52-year-old guy who's just sitting in a room, 
doing exactly what he's preaching against here, which is complaining. I'm not complaining. I'm, I'm trying to shepherd some people. I'm trying to say, hey, guys, if you're going to be a maverick and a misfit, part of it is bucking against the cultural um, erosion in the church. It means the culture is coming in and things that are supposed to be holy and righteous and set apart for God, like your mouth, are now so enculturated that we can move in and out of sounding churchified with our religious language. And then 15 minutes later, we can sound like a pagan who's murmuring, complaining, gossip, slandering, lying, and cursing. And guys, we've got to shape this up because listen, what comes out, let me, let me just give you probably the anthemic verse about what it means to shoot yourself in your own soul. Um, it's that famous verse in Proverbs 18. Do you remember it? Proverbs 18, 21. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. And those who love it, those who love their speech, they highly regard their speech, they prize their speech. Those who love it will eat its fruits. In other words, there is a kingdom principle that what comes out of our mouths either breeds life or breeds death. Now that is a very, very narrow uh, scope there. What you speak as you speak it, as you release it, is either going to impart life or it is going to impart death. That is what the Bible says. And it says it's a power. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Proverbs 18, verse 6. Same chapter. Verse 6 and 7 of Proverbs 18. A fool's lips walk into a fight. And his mouth invites <laughs> his mouth invites a beating. A fool's mouth is his ruin. And his lips, here we go, are a snare to his soul. So if you think I was being dramatic with the title, you know, shooting yourself in your own soul and then applying that to how we speak, I'm not being dramatic, I'm being biblical. Because Proverbs 18:7 says, "A fool's mouth is his ruin and his lips are a snare to his soul." Can I amplify that a little bit? A fool's own mouth is his own ruin and his own lips are a snare to his own soul. So if we're speaking foolishly, if we are not under the harness of the Holy Spirit, if our words are not in, in unity with what God is speaking from heaven, if the character of what we're saying, if the spirit of what we are saying, if what is coming of our, out of our mouths is antithetical, if it is in opposition to what God has said and what God is saying, then we are like the fool of Proverbs 18, 6, and 7. And our lips walk us into a fight. Our mouth invites our beating. Uh, our, own, our own mouth becomes our own ruin, and our own lips become a snare to our own soul. Now, I don't want to snare my own soul. You know, we, we, we don't think about it, and the enemy doesn't want us to think about it. The enemy wants us to fixate on all the people that we feel that we're worthy, that, that they are worthy of us complaining about of us cursing, um, of us gossiping about, slandering about. 
And it's everywhere. I mean, all you got to do is walk out your front door and open your eyes. And within 20 minutes, you're probably going to have somebody that if you want to, you can bring death from your mouth upon them by speaking curses over them. And not, no, I'm talking about like hocus pocus, witchcraft around a cauldron stuff. I'm talking about like literally just saying idiot, you know, speaking to people in your family that way, speaking to your neighbors that way, speaking into traffic that way, speaking in the church that way. And you just shot yourself right in your soul. It's, it's like literally if your arms were long enough, extending your arms outward, taking a bow and an arrow, turning them around towards you, pulling back the string and boing, shooting an arrow right into your own soul. You've pierced yourself through, you know, for for me, Back in uh, early, no, late 90s, very late 90s, 97, 98, 99, um, I started being aware that the more I preached, uh, the more uh, people would, uh, they would give my own words back to me. And I started learning at that time, oh, people listen to what comes out of my mouth. It was very sobering for me. And then I, I started realizing that my words had great potential to help people, but I also started realizing my words were hurting people. And not that I was just going around being completely reckless, but I never stopped to analyze what spirit am I operating in? When I'm saying what I'm saying, even if I'm saying the right thing, what what spirit am I operating in? What's, What's in the abundance of my heart? And so I did, I don't know how long it was, but I remember doing a study through the book of Proverbs and I was astonished to see how many of the Proverbs in the book of Proverbs in the Old Testament were dedicated to the need to sanctify my mouth. I mean, it was a life changer for me because um, I, I shudder, you know, when, when I recognize that the Apostle James wrote that, uh, he said this, don't many of you desire to be teachers for ours is the stricter judgment, meaning those who speak frequently and speak with any kind of delegated authority from heaven in a position of authority or responsibility in the church we have a much stricter judgment waiting for us, meaning God will, man, I'm getting convicted just saying it right now. God will zero in on our words at a higher level. And Christians are going to give a higher level of accountability for their words when they stand before the Lord. And so when I started reading the Proverbs, I started repenting. And to this very day, you know, I am still, I I, I tell you, God's given great breakthrough for me, but uh, I still, can just within 20 seconds of not being intentionally under the yoke of the Holy Spirit, I can say things in the wrong spirit, or I can say things that are just in and of themselves completely wrong. I find myself having to put to death here at age 52, my, my propensity to get frustrated and critique and in essence, you know, complain. That's my big one. I don't gossip. I don't slander. When people try to gossip or slander around me, I just get quiet. I don't say a word because I refuse to participate in that stuff. I refuse to listen to it. Um, so I don't, that's not my deal, but a grumbling, sometimes I'll grumble about my schedule. I'll grumble about people that are frustrating me. I'll grumble. Listen, you know, pastors deal with all sorts of situations and people all the time. You're never done. Your work is, you never have the luxury of saying, Oh, I'm done. It's constant every day you wake up and a lot of people don't walk in the spirit. And so you have to enter into their mess with them. And there are times where if you're not careful, you will not speak what Jesus would speak over them. Some of you need to hear this. 
that the Lord is stretching you and growing you by allowing difficult people and difficult circumstances in your life because he is in a, in a very loving, kind, paternal way, but he is done with your murmuring and your complaining. And so he's going to allow this stuff to compound and he's going to bring you to a point of crisis to where you say, I just need to, I just need to get victory over my mouth. I can't get victory over the way people are. I can't get victory over my circumstances, but I got to learn how to bless people and bless God in the midst of circumstances that are pressing me. Proverbs twelve eighteen says this, there is one whose rash words are like sword thrusts. But the tongue of the wine, uh, tongue of the wise, brings healing. So get that. There's a contrast there in Proverbs twelve eighteen. There's somebody who's rash. That means thoughtless. This is a young person's disease, but most of the time, by the way, they're rash. They're just going to say what they want to say. They don't filter it. They don't think about it. They don't bridle their tongue. They're just going to say it because they got something to say. Maybe they got the facts on their side. Maybe they've built their case up in their mind. They're just waiting for the other person to pause and then boom, their rash words come out like sword thrust. That's what the Bible says. This is God's holy inspired word. And God says when he's watched the children of man, he's seen people that talk and it's like they're thrusting in a sword, not once, not twice, but multiple times. They're digging into somebody. Their words are their weapon and they slice and they cut and they jab and they thrust their words into somebody. And the Bible says, and it wounds them. And in contrast, it says, but a wise Christian, a wise person, they use their tongue to bring healing. They're not interested in adding more wounds. They're not interested in slicing and thrusting and cutting and opening up and, and slaying with their words. Look, if you want to use harsh words, save them up from the devil. Just save them up for him. Save it up for the demons. If you want to curse, curse what God has already cursed. He's cursed the demonic realm. They're cursed. They're damned. And if you've got that kind of pent up desire to speak truth at a vicious level, speak it against hell. You better be prayed up and you better be fasting because you pick a fight with the enemy and you're not ready. You're going to lose. But we're not to curse people. I mean, it's just not the Christian ethic. And somehow in the church, because the, the, the culture is filled with hostility, instead of being like Jesus, we're being like, you know, shock radio. We're, we're being like our favorite podcaster. You know, you, you've got these talking heads on news agencies, on television and online and their whole thing is just to just to shatter the other side of the aisle. And the church has adopted that. And that's not Jesus. Jesus just didn't do that. There was, there was a few occasions where Jesus got intense, but it was always in corrective measures. It was always to bring about repentance. It was always to honor the Father. And so the majority of the time, Jesus, I mean, you got to think about it practically. Everywhere Jesus went, he saw what was wrong with everybody. Every day. Because he was the son of God, he saw what was wrong with everybody. There's a couple of places in scriptures where it indicates Jesus knew what was in the heart of man. He always knew what was going on in their hearts. And you didn't find him going around poking his finger all the time, you know, screaming at people, setting them straight, thrusting them through with words. No, why? Because his words brought healing because the tongue of the wise brings healing. You know, Peter wrote in the New Testament in 1 Peter 3.10, whoever desires to love life and see good days. That sounds good. Let me just pause there. First Peter 3.10 says, hey, do you, do you want to have a life that is awesome? Do you want to love life? Do you want to see good days? 
Peter says, well, let him keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Peter connects a blessed, good, satisfied, fulfilled, glorious life that is extended in health and some form of prosperity in the sense of God's blessing and favor on your life. Peter says, hey, if you want that, watch what comes out of your mouth. Can you believe that? Like literally, you can have the moral code down. You can have your theology down. You can have all of the the clarity and discernment prophetically on what's going on and what's wrong with the culture. But if you don't yet know how to tame your tongue and speak life, Peter says, oh man, your life's going to be hard. You're going to be unhappy. You know, some of the most, most unhappy people I know are some of the people with the greatest discernment. They're, they're so discerning. They see what's wrong all the time. And yet they have not figured out how to communicate that in a way that brings about restoration, that brings about reformation, that brings about healing. And so they look at people and they see what's wrong and they hear what people say and they hate the ideas and they recognize biblically that's wrong. God's not in that. And yet then they return that retort. They answer a fool according to his folly. By the way, that's Proverbs 26, 4 says, don't answer a fool according to his foolishness, lest you become like him. (laughs) In other words, you can't look around and see everything that's wrong and all the fools out there. And then you start speaking their language. That's what it means. It says, don't answer a fool according to his foolishness, meaning don't adopt their tactics when you respond to foolishness. He says, if you do that, you become like the fool. (laughs) People just don't get this, man. Man, I hope this is helping some of y'all out there that you're just saying, oh my goodness, God's shown me some things. I've I've been granted some wisdom. I do hear the Lord, but... Man, the way I handle it inwardly and the way I express it verbally is actually aligning me more with the ways of the fool than the ways of the Savior. I, I, I think, let me just stick in Proverbs. There's so many New Testament verses I could give. Like, Just read James 3. Just read James chapter 3 like a hundred times. And then repent every time you read it and you'll become more like Jesus and what comes out of your mouth. Because the Bible is very clear in James 3. It just says your tongue can only be tamed by the Holy Spirit. That's the summary of James 3. You can't tame it. Uh, just an internal mental discipline can't tame it. Your tongue is like the, the, the strongest, most dangerous part of your body because it brings forth life or death. And if it doesn't get under the harness of Jesus Christ, it'll bring forth death frequently. But if it gets under the harness of Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit tames your tongue. There you have a mouth that builds up. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Some of you just go for it, man. Just go for it. Proverbs 21, 23 says, whoever keeps his mouth and tongue keeps himself out of trouble. (laughs) That's practical. That's so practical. Just be quiet. So, well, Jeff, I've got something to say. Okay, well, you just better get permission from the Lord before you say it. You better make sure he's endorsing how you say it. Like, Like, guys, this is not optional. This is not about our personality. This is not about our fivefold ministry gifting. Like prophetic people give themselves a free pass all the time for just being harsh because they say, well, the prophets of old were harsh and John the Baptist. Well, you're not the prophets of old and you're not John the Baptist. So literally we have to believe the entire Bible. We just can't cite the examples of the, you know, the extremes of a handful of Old Testament prophets and, you know, John the Baptist thundering in the wilderness. It doesn't mean that we're, you know, we sacrifice truth. It just means like God really cares how you say what you say prophetically. 
And the prophetic gift, according to 1 Corinthians 12, is actually to produce an edification in the hearer. It's actually supposed to build up. And if, you know, you get your jollies by walking around and just thundering judgment and prophetic denunciation, you don't have the heart of Jesus yet. doesn't mean you don't have the truth. It just means you don't have the heart of Jesus yet. And you got to get his heart. You can't just get his truth. You got to get his heart. You don't need just what he said. You need his accent on what he said when it comes out of your mouth. I give you this big atom bomb from Leviticus 19 for anybody that's struggling with gossip. And listen, you don't need to struggle with gossip. You better crucify it. It'll kill you. God never promotes the gossip. Never, never, never. God never elevates the slanderer. Never. He actually opposes the gossip and the slanderer. And in Leviticus 19, God gets serious about this. This is Old Testament law. It's, I mean, it's not that it's not binding because it's repeated in different ways in the New Testament, but this is how far back it goes. Like when God was giving the law to his covenant people, Israel, he put verses in there about gossip and slander. Like when he's talking about murder and adultery and fornication, you know, God also says, yeah, and don't forget, I'm listening to what comes out of your mouth. And so in Leviticus 19, Leviticus 19, 16, he says, you shall not go around as a slanderer among your people and you shall not stand, stand up against the life of your neighbor. And then he says this, I am the Lord. That just intensifies it. God says, hey, remember who's talking to you. It's me, Yahweh. It's me, God Almighty. And I'm telling you this. Stop going around slandering your people. He just says, I'm God. And I'm telling you, stop it. You shall not go around as a slanderer. What do you do, man? Because some of y'all, and I'm just about done. I appreciate you guys giving me a few extra minutes here. Um, one of the issues that I have is this. I've learned over years because I used to, I used to like try to instruct gossips and slanderers, especially like when I was the target of it as a young pastor. And maybe some of you that are young in ministry need to hear this. Like gossips and slanderers, only God can change their heart. You cannot change their heart. It, it's not that if you can just give them a few Bible, Bible verses, they'll say, oh, Man, I wish I had known that. They already know what they're doing is wrong. They're, they're actually under, in, in some level, I'm not saying they're aware of it. I'm not saying that they're eager to have this to be true. But un, under some level, they're actually partnering with the devil. Why? Do you know what the word diabolos means? Slanderer. The, the Greek word for the devil is slanderer. And somebody who slanders and somebody who gossips is actually in that moment on the devil's team. And so what I realized is, oh man, this isn't a lack of Bible verses that they, you know, I just used to think as a young pastor, I'll just tell them the truth. And when they see the truth, they'll stop doing what they're doing. They'll stop talking about me. They'll stop talking about my wife. They'll stop talking about the way I lead. And then I realized, no, actually it's not a lack of truth. It, it's, it's a grip of sin in their life. So God has to destroy that. So what I started doing is I started instructing people that are around gossips and I started exposing it just like I'm doing right now. So th there's a, there's a, a, a strange proverb, Proverb 26, 20. It says, for lack of wood, the fire goes out. For lack of wood, the fire goes out. So James 3 tells us that the tongue, when it's not being used right, is a fire. It's a world of iniquity. It's spreading flame. And so the Proverbs, the Proverbs 26 says in verse 20, that if there's no wood, the fire will go out. So what's the wood? It's the people that listen. 
So when somebody's gossiping, do you know what you do as a follower of Jesus? You say, hey, 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 um, I, I don't think this is right. This is not the right spirit. Let's not talk about this person. This is what I did for a number of years because there was a season, man, where I don't know why, you know, I, I just needed to establish to people, hey, gossips, I'm not your friend. Like, don't come to me gossiping about somebody. So literally, my, my uncle Robert actually taught me this. He was a pastor for years. And he said, hey, Jeff, you're getting started out in ministry. When people come to you and gossip, this is what you do. You say, hey, hey, hold on. Hold on just a second. Before you go any further, let me get my, but this is back in the day. Let me get my pen and my paper out so that when I quote you, I can do it accurately. Isn't that genius? So today I would say it this way. Say, if somebody's gossiping, say, hey, hey, whoa, whoa, whoa. Hold on a second. Let me get my phone out. Let me get my phone out. Let me hit record on this. I want to make sure I'm getting accurately what you're about to say. And immediately a gossip will know, oh, I don't want this repeated. I don't want this to be on the record. And what people don't understand is it's already on the record. Jesus said, we're going to give an account for every idle word that we speak. And people just don't believe Jesus. Like straight up, what is spoken in the hidden places is going to be revealed on the rooftops. And so we've got to recognize that if there's a lack of wood, the fire can't spread. So don't be the person that they come to. If people gossip to you regularly, they gossip about you regularly. If you're a safe place for the gossip, if you're a safe place for the slanderer, I promise you, just give it a minute. They're going to be talking about you. And so you draw a line. You say, well, Jeff, that'll hurt their feelings. It'll be an awkward moment. Well, in the name of Jesus, yes. Let their feelings get hurt. They're, they're slaying their own soul. They're shooting their own self, their own soul with their words, and they're hurting other people. So help them by saying, I'm not going to be a part of this stuff. And watch God elevate you, by the way. Watch God elevate you when you're one of the rare Christians who refuses to let the fire spread by the wood of their listening being offered to the gossip. So let me give you this last thing. Um, man, I, I should have made this a two-parter. I'm feeling this, and I'm like over time already. But let me give you this last thing. This is extremely important. Do you know in the New Testament, there is this one clear prohibition. It's like a thou shall not in the New Testament. And it regards this need to never listen to slander, unsubstantiated slander against your spiritual leaders. It's right there in 1 Timothy 5.19. It is plain as day. It says, do not receive an accusation against an elder except on the evidence of two or three witnesses. Did you get that? Why is that in the Bible? Because spiritual leaders referenced here as elders, so pastors, spiritual leaders, they are massive targets for the enemy. The enemy knows if he can bring accusation and slander against an elder, it undermines that elder's credibility in the eyes of the people. It makes it very difficult for that elder or that leader, that pastor to help people in the kingdom. And so the, the, the spirit of God says, we need to put this prohibition right there in the middle of the instructions about church life in the book of first Timothy. And this is the prohibition. You cannot believe nor receive an accusation against the spiritual leader unless it is clearly substantiated by at least two, preferably three witnesses. That's first Timothy 519. A lot of good men and women of God, leaders in the kingdom, have been falsely accused. They have been slandered. They've been misrepresented by people who are, according to the book of Proverbs, fools because of how they speak. 
And the Bible says, don't listen to that. So what do you do when somebody comes to you with an accusation against one of your spiritual leaders, you go to your spiritual leader and take that person with you. When, when they come to you and they talk about pastor so-and-so and they talk about, Oh, did you hear what our mentor did? Did you hear what our leader did? Did you hear what our house church leader did or our small group leader did? And you said, no, I didn't hear that. And then they, they release the juice. This is what you say, say, Hey, hold on a second, man. This, this, this violates first Timothy five nineteen. Do you have any other witnesses? And typically they'll say, well, no, but you just gonna have to trust me. You say, no, actually I don't receive that. And then you say, let's go to that leader. You say to the person with the accusation, because if that person's operating in the right spirit, and let's just say they do have something that needs to be exposed. You go to the leader, Matthew 18, you go to the person, but the devil traffics in ambiguity and secrecy and hiddenness. And many, many leaders have been undermined because of a failure for people to obey first Timothy five nineteen. So guys, I have loaded your wagon today. Let's master by the power of the Holy spirit, the words that come out of our mouth. And let's do this. Let's stop shooting ourselves in the soul by using our tongues and our speech and our words in ways that Jesus couldn't say amen to think about it. The rest of the day, ask the Lord, Lord, let me know if you're saying amen to what comes out of my mouth or if you can't say amen to it. And if you're finding that he's saying, yeah, I can't say amen to that, then master a season of silence. Just don't say anything and be a listener to the ways of the Holy Spirit before you're a releaser of the words of man. My time's gone. Appreciate the extra couple of minutes today. Keep tuning in to Mavericks and Misfits. Every Tuesday, we drop a new episode. Go to transformingtruth.org. Hey, listen, if you want to help us and support the ministry, pick up a copy of my book, Figuring It Out As I Go. You can get it on Amazon or wherever you buy books, or you can get, if you desire, a signed copy. If you go to jefflyle.com or transformingtruth.org, you can order it there. And uh, don't forget to rate and review Mavericks and Misfits. I hope we're helping you. That's my job. That's my goal. That's my calling. And it's actually my joy to know that we're pouring into people in a way that's helping them. We'll talk to you next time. God bless. Thanks for listening to today's episode of Mavericks and Misfits. If you are helped by what Jeff shared today, please take a moment to rate and review Mavericks and Misfits with Jeff Lyle on iTunes or Spotify. Your review helps us enlarge our digital footprint to reach more potential listeners every week. Also, please take advantage of the free written and video resources made available at transformingtruth.org. Join us again every Tuesday for a brand new episode of Mavericks and Misfits.